Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Rise Church. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here. So honored to have all of you with us. If you're a guest with us for the very first time, hey, we're so happy that you're here. We're, we're grateful that you made it out today. I always encourage our guests to come at least three times and you get a kind of a good feel of our church and make sure that it's the right place uh, for you. Uh, I always tell them come three times at least because, hey, I might have an off day. And so, hey, you know, just give me another chance and maybe we'll win you over. And so, uh, so excited that you're here. I also want to welcome all those listening to us on our podcast right now, uh, electronically or on our website. We have so many people who engage with our church, uh, honestly, that are not even here. They don't come regularly, but man, they give and they love our church and they're part of our, our services and they're part of our church just as much as you guys are. They give and, and and uh, it's an awesome experience. So welcome, everybody, uh, here. We're so glad that you're here. We're in the, uh, wrapping up a series called Him and Her Today, How to Win in Marriage and Relationships. And uh, here's the reason why we want to do that. You know, February is typically the love month, and we really wanted to talk about, man, hey, we want to get into relationships because it can be hard. Come on, how many of y'all know it can be hard to be in a relationship? And uh, I always find it interesting. Somebody told me, like, why, Pastor, why? They asked me one time, they said, why is marriage so hard? I said, well, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that's why marriage isn't in uh, heaven, so because it's just hard, and so uh, it's just too much, and so um, it's just you know. I, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to ask God uh, a special request if I can just be your neighbor, uh, you know, and uh, I would love to just see you on a regular basis. But this is going to be a one and done thing, and so uh, I'm just, is that too much? Is that too? It's too much from your past. Anyway, all right. So uh, we're going to be in Revelations chapter two today. Revelations chapter two. I didn't think I would teach in uh, Revelation for at least the first year of our church, but I'm going to do it today, and it's going to be good. And we're to talk about romance and really what it has to do with uh, our relationships and our marriages today. Last week, before we get into it, I want to recap really our series. Last week, we started off, or, or the week, two weeks, two weeks ago, this is a three-week series, and week one, we introduced this idea of the triangular model of love, and really, it was a theory by Robert Sternberg, of the, and he was a, had a PhD at Yale, and he, what he did was he did, he went like on a research uh, for about 30 years and kind of studied every relationship that was positive and everything that is kind of, you know, every relationship that uh, made it or that seemed to be healthy. And he said, uh, most relationships, the correlation for all marriage and relationships uh, really had these three things. They had friendship, they had commitment, and they had romance. And so in week one, we talked about friendship and how every great marriage that I know of and that you know of is built on this concept of friendship. And oftentimes we get into marriage thinking that, well, we were friends then and now we're married now. But really friendship, Bible talks about us being friends with our spouse, how we need to have helpers in our lives. And really the closest to us is the closest friend to us is our spouse. We talked about a great friend believes in you. They uh, celebrate differences and they're transparent. Last week, we talked about, we got into week two, we talked about the second part of that, which was commitment, that really so many marriages struggle with commitment because we don't know what God's original intent was. And we talked about how the first thing was one of the main ways you stay in a relationship and you stay committed to a relationship is you stop looking for ways to get out of it. Come on, somebody, right? Like, and it's real easy nowadays to kind of like find all the reasons why you should leave. Like, I don't know, if you woke up with them and you just smelled their breath, that's a reason to leave for most of us. And so, you know, oftentimes if you're trying to find the way, like you're asking God, God, I'm just waiting for the reason to leave. Just, you just keep telling your spouse, just give me a reason. I'm just, I'm waiting for you to do something. And well, if you're going to wait, it's going to happen because like that's a human. That guy is going to fail you. That girl is going to fail you. And if you're looking for it constantly, you're going to find it. And so really we talked about this idea that you need to be committed uh, really in knowing that what God's original intent. Hey, God's original intent, you need to know this if you're married in here. God's original intent is for it to last forever and for it to be great. 
That's God's desire. That's his original intent. Now, there's a lot of weirdness that comes in when you enter sin into the issue, and you have all these issues that come up. Hey, there's a lot of reasons that we can debate whether or not divorce is right and, and, and for certain situations, but really, truly, you need to know God's original intent was for you to make it, and he wants you to make it. And really, if we uh, apply uh, the four points that I talked about last week, which is righteousness, justice, loving kindness, and mercy, then hopefully we can be committed in our relationships. But today, everybody say today. Today, we're going to talk about the third kind of tri- part of that triangle, which is romance. And it's going to be awesome and fun, and it might get a little steamy. Somebody say yes, and uh, it's going to be awesome. And uh, if I offend you today, I'm so sorry. It is not my heart, and I love you. So, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Um, before I get read it, we're going to give you some context really quick. This is really, Revelation is written by a man named John who really had a moment with God who really, you know, most people, I always tell people, please don't start in Revelation. Don't go read Revelation and ever like, well, it's in the Bible. And I'm like, yeah, but just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean you're ready for it. And so I know some pastors who aren't ready for Revelation. So I'm just telling you, uh, if you're new to church, I would highly recommend you don't read Revelation other than the verses I give you today. Uh, but I would, ha- I, would re- I would start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Lives of Jesus uh, specifically, John, if you wanted to read something great. But Revelation is, a, is an interesting book because it's a book of prophecy. It gives you kind of what's going to happen in the end. And we hear really revealed through uh, this, the, the, this man named John. And he, he sees these things that happen. And he starts to write them all down. And he gets to a part in Revelation chapter 2 where uh, Jesus starts writing on behalf, where John starts writing on behalf of Jesus a letter to the church at Ephesus, which is really a church or a type of church that was around or that's going to be around in the future. And he writes this book. He writes this, he pens this scripture as a letter to them, not as a rebuke, but just as a warning and really as a as a, as a uh, kind of like, hey, I need you to get a hold of this and go back. And so Revelations chapter 2, verse 1, I love that, by the way. I love when our kids scream, just so you all know. Like, that, that's incredible. Because here's what you need to know. They're having fun, and they're learning about God. So I know, like, if you're like, man, I wish those kids would shut up. Yeah, well, <laughs> half those are mine because I got, like, five kids. So anyway, <laughs> I'll have a conversation with them later. So Revelations chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, so he's writing this to that church, he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. So this is, starts off good, right? He starts off with saying good things to this church. He's saying, look, you're not tolerating wicked people. You don't tolerate wicked things. You're working hard. You're persevering. He says that, um, I know that you can, uh, he says that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not and have found them false. He says, you even test the people, right? He says, man, y'all do church so good. Y'all are like the Christians. Come on, like you don't just put the bumper sticker on your car. Man, y'all don't just, you know, mark off on Facebook, you're Christian. Come on, y'all do it right. You read your Bible and y'all are good people and you pray and you serve and you give and you're doing so many good things in my name. He says, you persevered and you've endured hardships. Like even when bad things happen to you and happen in your marriage and happen in your relationship, he said, man, this is incredible. You do it all in my name and have not grown weary. You're not tired. You're ready to go. Man, that sounds like a good church, right? So he's happy. He's excited, and then he goes on to say, yet, which is just like a, a Christian but, you know? It's like, but, hang on, however, yet, here's what I have something, I do have something against you. It says, you've forsaken the love you had at first. He says, you've forsaken the love you had at first. He says, consider how far you've fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. So to summarize the, the, the scripture, he said, listen, you 
You, 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 you do so many good things. Y'all are great people. You're a great church. We're in a, uh, we're, you're doing good stuff with me, like for me, in my name. He even mentions it. He says, you're, you're, you're doing good. However, you forgot why you started this whole thing. You forgot me. He said, you're real good at it right now. You're a real good church. But, but remember, go back. Remember what it was like when you were first a Christian and why you started all this thing. Why you even, do you remember? He says, consider, consider, repent, and go back and do the things at first. And with that as our backdrop, we're going to talk today about how to have romance in your marriage. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you today, God. Thank you that today, Lord, you, you, you want the best things for us in our marriages. Your original intent, God, is for us to last forever, to be blessed forever. For our God, you want us to have good marriages on this earth, and I pray that you would speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. It's, it's interesting, you know, like, what, what do you do when you get into your relationship and it's no longer a relationship, it's a partnership? Yeah, that's what the church was, that's what he was talking to the church about. He was like, He's like, I'm frustrated with you. Have anybody ever been like that in your relationship where you feel like you do stuff and you do stuff and you wake up and then he goes to work and then she goes and takes care of the kids and then she got to go to work and then you got to pick up the kids and then you're like, man, you're, you're, you're at work and you're frustrated with your job and you're yelling at your boss and you're yelling at your coworkers and you hate the ride to work because the commute's crazy because of San Antonio traffic and God knows the San Antonio traffic, that's basically what hell will look like. And so you're like frustrated and then you get to the end of your day and you're, and you're had to stay late because somebody in your office didn't do what you sh- they should have right come on like they didn't do what they should have done and now you have to kept, kept you know make up for it and then they don't ever get no blame you get all the blame and they get all the credit and now you're driving home and you're frustrated and sad and upset about that and then you get home and then your kids are there and now your kids are not the kids that you thought they were going you they were yeah, yeah they should have been and now all of a sudden you're there and then you see your wife and she's tired and you're tired and everything's frustrated and you're just doing the same thing and then you have dinner and dinner wasn't hot as it should be or what's not the right thing and then your kids are screaming and they don't eat and then you got to go to bed and every night every night you got to have the same conversation with your kid and tell them they have to wear pajamas every night like you didn't get it the first 7,000 times I told you but now I got to go put pajamas on you and you got to brush your teeth and you got to comb your hair and then we got to say prayer because I got to be a Christian you know I'm a pastor I got to be a Christian I got to pray for them because I that's what we do as Christians so we got to pray for our kids like Lord please God make something out of this because I I don't know what to do. And so you go into that and then they go to bed and then you go down for like two and a half minutes and you're looking at the wall with your wife sitting next to you and you're wondering and freaking out about tomorrow because you got to do it all over again. Just me. And, and, And you look at your relationship and it's no longer a relationship. It's really a partnership. Like you're doing life together, you're shoulder to shoulder, but you, 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 you don't really do it face to face. You don't look at her eyes, you don't look at his eyes, you don't really know each other anymore. You ever hear that, you know, you hear that all the time, like we just fell out of love. We don't, you're not the same person, you know, and, and you, you get to those areas where, where the romance is gone. Come on, y'all, like the romance is gone. And, and, and God's concerned with that. God cares about your pain. God cares about your hurt. God cares about your frustration. He, 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 he sees it. And for us to have good relationships and good marriages, science shows it, 
The Bible shows it. We, we need to have some romance in our life. What is romance? What, what, is, what is romance? I wanted to kind of clarify what romance was for all of us. Because there's a lot of myths out there, you know. A lot of people think romance is just for women or feminine men, you know. Like, oh, well, you know, romance just, women just like romance. It's like you think about it from a, you think romance is more based on like, like movie titles, you know. You're like, well, guys are going to choose action. And women are going to choose romance, you know, so like that's like the myth, like, well, if I'm a man, then I can't be romantic, or I'm, I'm a manly man, so I can't be romantic. It's only for feminine men. It's like, you know, skinny jeans wearing, dude. I'm offended by that because I wear skinny jeans. And so, but like, you think only women or, or feminine men can handle romance. Another myth uh, that's not true is it's seasonal. You know, I only have to really be romantic when it's like Valentine's Day. Yeah, you know, right? Come on, like we just had it, Valentine's Day. Like now I can be romantic. Or oh, her, her birthday's coming up. Now I can need to be romantic. Or man, now it's in our anniversary. I got to do something, I guess. I don't know. I buy her a flower or something. I mean, I, card or I mean, I guess I got to do that. And you only do romance. That's a myth. Another myth of romance is that it's, it's personality driven. You know, like there's just some people who just see things and they're just romantic and they write these poems and they, they mean nothing. You know, I always find it funny. Like poems always like made me laugh because really it's just a bunch of jumble of words and then people if you say it in like a cool way or you put it on like a neat card and all of a sudden it's a poem it's like no that's like run-on sentences that's what they are <laughs> anybody else i mean like that's terrible so um you know an, a, another uh, myth romance is uh, a myth of, of romance is that it's it's sexual intimacy you know you think so when i said romance some of you in here thought like instantly sex like oh yeah I want to learn about that, Pastor. Open up that scripture. Preach that to her. You know, it's like, okay. Uh, but romance isn't sexual intimacy. Actually, sexual intimacy is the result of, of, of good romance. And, and, and a lot of us just don't understand what it is. So what is romance? Webster actually talks about, the dictionary actually says, it's the ability of courting, wooing, or pursuing. The ability of courting, wooing, or or pursuing, but our definition, just so that we have it for a series, I wanted to give it to you, just I think scripturally, and I'm going to go back and show you this, is for us, romance, okay, so for us to be, have a great marriage, you need to put this practice into place in our marriages, romance is simply this, romance is simply consistent positioning by consistent pursuing. It's consistent positioning by consistent pursuing. It's saying, as my spouse, you need to know this. You're the most important person. And I'm going to show that to you by constantly pursuing you. Because, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in your relationships and in, 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 in relationships you've seen, a lot of people could say a lot of things. You could tell your wife right now, babe, you're the most important thing in my life. And I've literally seen this happen. While they're playing games on their phone, you are the most, babe, you are so important. Hold, hold. You're really, I'm telling you, you are the most important. Hang on. What was I saying? And we can say it, and we can live it like that if we're not careful, but, and we can constantly show that actually most everything else in life is more important than your spouse. But the, the way we position our spouse is with pursuit. It's this principle of pursuit. That's what romance is. Romance is a consistent positioning by a consistent pursuing. That you are always pursuing your spouse, and by pursuing them, you're actually showing to them, number one, their priority, because you don't pursue things you don't like. No one goes to a place if they don't like it. 
That's why you don't go to the restaurant that's terrible a second time. Come on. You don't go back to a place that you didn't enjoy and say, well, I just love it here. You don't because you didn't. You don't go back to it because you didn't enjoy it. But when they're number one to you, when they're the high priority in your life, when it's really important to you, when it really means something to you, you constantly go and pursue it. And that's all romance really is for us inside of marriage is that God wants us to see that, man, if we're constantly pursuing our spouse, if we're constantly pursuing the one that God put in our life, we're going to be constantly positioning them in the right avenue of our life, the right paced place in our life. And you can't tell them they're important. You got to show it. Have you ever noticed that with your spouse? Because you could tell them you love them and you could tell them they're number one. But when you're out on your boat and when you're out with your buddies and you're out with your gals and y'all doing the, you know, the, the painting and the wine thing all day long and you're just doing whatever and you're just doing thing after thing after thing and you go back and you look at your schedule and they really aren't that important, honestly. They really aren't. Because why? Because you didn't position them. Listen, come on. You didn't position them in your life. Remember back. Can we just go back to yesteryear real quick? If you're married in here, do you remember when you first started dating your spouse? Come on, like go back. Some of you, that's a long time. Some of you, that's yesterday, right? Some of you, it's, it's, it, whether, but all of us, here's what I know about all married couples. All y'all had a dating season. All y'all were once not married. Okay, so we all are in it together, okay? And do you remember how much you did just to get your guy? Just to get your girl? Dudes, you guys actually took showers. (laughs) And you put on deodorant. You cared whether or not your breath smelled right. Come on. Some of, some of y'all forgot what it was like to just brush your teeth around your spouse. And she's like, she's mad. And she got like that stank face on time, all the time. And I'm like, just brush your teeth. <laughs> Give her face an option, right? <laughs> but you did so much to pursue and to go after. And you did. Come on, do you remember? Do you remember the length of which you did to go and, and win her heart? I mean, we all do crazy things. You spend ungodly amounts of money. Do you remember that? Ungodly, like Hallmark and flower stores. Come on, and gifts and time. You stayed up all night talking, right? Come on, like you stayed up. And t- you, not, you don't even have to stay up all night. You just talked to her. Do you remember that? Do you remember when you pursued him and you did things with him and you were his buddy with him and you had fun with him and it wasn't always about just doing life together. It was just about being with each other. Do you remember? Come on, I'm not getting off of this. Y'all got to remember, it's important. Do you remember when you pursued at all? There was nothing going to get in your way. I remember when I first met my wife, like we, I, nothing. She walked in. It was like a 70-member church. We were in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It was a tiny little church. I'd already dated every day girl in the youth ministry at that time, like five times over. Come on, anybody else like that? Grow up in a small youth ministry like me? You know, you're like, just like everybody was just like, I had like dated the pastor's daughter 17 times. He hated me. I mean, I just ever, but there ain't nobody else. You know, I'm trying to be Christian. So, you know, it's just, and then she walks in with her family. She got like 10 people in her family. And all I thought is new girls, new girls come in. I walk over and I'm introducing myself and she rejects me. 
And then after a week, I call her up and I say, you want to go on a date? And she rejects me. And then I send her flowers and she rejects me. And then I ask her on a date again and she rejects me. I give her, you know, uh, gifts and she rejects me. I just start handing her cash. Please go on a date. (laughs) Anything. What do you want? I'll give you whatever you want. You want my money? You want cars? Blood? I'll give you blood. What do you want? She finally says yes, and then you even and then, you know, like even when they start saying yes, you're always like feeling like, man, there could be another, you know, home slice walk up, and if he's stronger, so I went to the gym. I started working out because I, I, date, I met, started dating my wife. Did anybody ever start working out just because you wanted to get a date, right? Some of you in here want a date. Start working out, right? Just like get, use it, start brushing your hair, buy some different clothes that aren't flannel, you know, doing different things. Start getting a job, move out of your mom's basement, do stuff like that. You'll be surprised. It does wonders for your, your relationships, but we do all these things. I did. I, I remember one time I, I snuck into a, a, a trunk with my with just to just to be around my wife. My, my buddy was going to go meet her and she didn't want to meet me or something happened. And I jumped into the trunk and I hid there just so I can hear her voice. Like, I'm not kidding. That's the stuff that I did. <laughs> Don't judge me. I judge you. <laughs> Y'all did stuff, too. Come on. You know, it's like that. Uh, I can't remember that that movie. Uh, I can't remember what was the guy who hold the boombox in front of the house. Come on, y'all know. What was it called? What? I, say anything. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's holding the boombox. What, what is it? That's the, it's pursuit. He's a, you're so important. I'm elevating your priority. And I'm going to show you by chasing you down. Girl, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Some of y'all might have taken that too, you know, got a restraining order or something. But at least... <laughs> You know, at least you did something. And, and, and truthfully, that's what, that's what God was frustrated about with the church at Ephesus. He said, man, you got so busy doing life with me, you forgot why you started all this. We're shoulder to shoulder right now, but we're not face to face. Remember when it was okay to just be, do you remember when, for those of you who might know God in here, maybe you're saved. Do you remember what it was like when you first gave your life to Jesus? You remember what it was like? To just think, like, God, you, 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 you don't know what I did last night, and, and you want a relationship with me? I mean, do you remember what it was like when you first gave, when, you, when the first week you were saved? And, and you would pray, and you would think, God, the creator of the universe. Come on, church. The, he built everything, and he seems to know my name. And he seems to know things that are going on in my life. And I, I, do you remember what it was like? You didn't care about doing anything for God. You didn't care about him giving you anything. You didn't want anything from, you were just, it was just, you, you, you could just, it was like you could hold his hand. Do you remember? And the church was, 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 was struggling with that. They were struggling with they were so good at being Christian, they, they forgot why they were Christian. Come on, you remember? Do you remember what it was like? And he's saying, your relationship with me needs to be built on just being with me. You need to go back to pursuing me and not my stuff. And so in your relationships with your marriage, when our marriages, we got to go back to just being and constantly going after them, not their stuff. 
not just be living life with them, not, not around them and not because of them and not just trying to make sure you make it with all of your kids. I got five boys at my house. Five. Cinco. <laughs> I mean, they're everywhere. At some point, they're just everywhere. And if I'm not careful, I could get caught in trying to just live with my wife rather than live for my wife. Right? So today, I want to talk about the time I have left. I just want to talk about three thoughts on romance based on this part of Scripture. Because Jesus gives us an antidote for that church. He says, consider, repent, okay? Consider, repent, and return. Consider, repent, and return. The first one is this, consider. Be considerate in your romance. Be considerate in your romance. Three thoughts. It's pursuit with direction. Verse 5 says, consider how far you have fallen. Consider. Think about it. Stop for a minute. Consider how far you are off from what you were at the beginning. Consider how different it is. Stop and look. Everybody say stop, stop. and look. look. Come on, look at your neighbor and say stop, stop. and look. Yeah. All right, look at the other one you didn't choose the, fir- the first time and say stop, stop and look. Yeah, yeah, stop and look. He says, he says you need to consider how far, how different it is now. Consider, like, look how different things are now. Things are different now. It feels different. It seems different. It acts different. You are different. It's different now. And we need to consider, like, look, like, actually look at where you are. The first thing you need to do is consider where you are. You need to audit where your relationship is. Some of us in here, the worst thing you can do to work on your marriage is just start doing stuff. Like, I know people are like, there's something wrong. We're just going to do whatever. Let's go on a vacation. Let's start a counselor. Let's buy a boat. Let's get a new house. Oh, you're not happy? Let's go to Costco. I mean, it's just whatever. <laughs> like seriously. And we just do whatever because we don't have any real direction on what we're trying to do because you don't know where you are. And I don't know if you know, have you ever been lost? The worst thing you can do when you get lost is just keep walking around and just figure it out. Just keep going. I used to camp a lot. Like when I was in California, I used to camp all the time. I used to camp, go to camp. And when you got lost in the game, when you want to do the tension is, is you want to get out and like start walking and just keep going. But I've noticed that every time I got lost and every time I kept going, I got lost more. Like I just kept getting more lost. I never, I, I never found the camp. You ever notice that? But if you don't know where you are, if you don't audit where you are in your relationship, you won't know where you're going. You can't manage what you can't measure. Come on. You can't manage what you're supposed to manage and steward. That's a relationship. God gave you that woman, guy. Come on. God gave you that man, girl. Come on. And you're supposed to steward and manage it. You can't manage what you don't measure. So if you don't know where you're at, you don't know how, you don't know how to get better. I remember when I, I used to, uh, when I got out of college, I, uh, I was not my healthy. I wasn't the strapping, strong, muscular type that stands before you. It wasn't a joke. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I wasn't, I was, I, I was a little more unhealthy and uh, I weighed 325 pounds. I'll show you a picture because you'll probably won't believe me. I'm not the one on the right. I'm the one on the left. The guy that got, you know, stung by a bee a couple of times. <laughs> so that was me on the left and right out I got out of college. And I remember I said, okay, you know, I got to the point where I'm like, man, I just, I got to be healthy. And I, I mean, I was married. I, I just got married to my wife and, 
she was beautiful and healthy her whole life. And I don't know how I, I mean, she must have thought I was, I had money or something. <laughs> she was wrong. <laughs> and uh, she didn't marry me for looks, clearly. And, uh, but I said, you know, I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy. And so I went to a trainer. And I sat down with the trainer, and I was like, and I thought the first day, you know what I thought we would do? We're going to hit the gym. You're going to tell me what to eat. We're going to get it. I got to CrossFit and start throwing some weights around and show people I'm swallowed. Like, get us go. I'm ready. Beach body. Here I come. Like, I'm ready. And uh, he didn't do that. The first thing we did is he sat down, and he just, what, here's what he did. He measured. He just measured my waist, what my weight was. My, my fat content in my body, my calories, my, you know, or, or my, you know, my, uh, uh, my cholesterol, my, my uh, blood tests. I want to know where my health is. Why? Why does he do that? Why did he do that? Was he, was he doing that to, 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 to shame me? To let me, oh, look how bad you got? No, no, no. He does that because when he puts a plan together, come on, this is good. Don't miss this. If y'all are in a, if you're unhealthy in your relationship right now, this is good for you. This is where you need to lock in. Write down notes. Take notes. This is it right here. If you're unhealthy, the reason he didn't do that is he wanted to make a plan. And in order to make a plan, you have to measure where you currently are. The worst thing he could have did was actually bring me in. Come on. At that level and start. Let's go. Come on. A hundred sit-ups right now. You know, it's like biggest loser moment. You know, that's not real. It would have been unhealthy for me. He had to make a plan. And show, okay, if he's, he's not good, okay, I got to make some adjustments so that I can ultimately win in the end. Y'all with me? We're talking about romance. We're talking about pursuit. We're talking about when you're, when, you're, when you're pursuing your spouse and being romantic with your spouse, you're being considerate. You need to know where you are. The second thing is this is you need to know where you're going. You need to know where you're going. So considering means knowing where I'm going. Like I got to be intentionally rooted in making strategic plans for my growth. I got to be sensitive to my ways. Come on, y'all. You got to just, it's not just doing anything. It's now that I know where we are. I'm going to do some specific strategic things. I'm not just going to think about it. I'm not just going to, come on, I'm not just going to pray about it. I'm not just going to plan it either. I'm going to start doing it. Haggai says it like this. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways, not your intentions, not what you wish would happen, not your hopes, not your dreams. Give careful thoughts to your ways that you need to be aware of this principle that their direction, not intention, determines destination. For those of you out, planners out there, for those of you dreamers out there, for those of you who all say, I, one day I'm telling you, I want a good relationship, but do nothing for it. Do nothing to provide the good relationship. It's direction, not intention, that determines destination. It's the direction. It's all the little stories. It's all the little moments. It's all the little decisions. It's all the little parts that you're adding together to create and point your relationship in the right direction. And we mess this up in church. Can I just say that? If you ain't a Christian in here, I'm jumping on your team for just a second because we Christians do, do this wrong. We, we, we make this even worse because what we'll do is we'll do consistent bad decisions on a regular basis. We'll be, we'll, make, uh, we'll be ugly to our spouse. We'll be unhonoring to our husband. We'll be unloving to our wife. And then what we do, uh, we'll be stuck with a relationship that's terrible. And we bring our terrible relationship to God and, and say, God, you fix it. God, I'm going to pray over it. And God's sometimes going, I thought, I'm, I'm pretty sure that what a man sows, therefore he... he 
he reaps that if, if I do bad things in my relationships, if I say bad things in my marriage, if I'm unhealthy in my ways, I'm going to have unhealthiness in my, my, my results, right? And so sometimes I've always told people this. I said, here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the principle of this, is that if you get into a car and you start driving east towards New York, you're not going to end up in California. But we do that in our relationships. And then we say, and, you, and, and here's what I find funny about that. You can pray about that car. You can anoint that car with oil. You can speak scriptures over that car. You can believe for that car. You can, like, I'm going to, you can make sure there's good gas in that car. You can make sure they have the best tires. But if it's pointed in the direction of New York, it's not going to make it to California. And so consistent decisions every day for us to make sure, I want to make sure that my direction is headed towards a good relationship. My direction is headed towards doing the right things and be romantic. My direction is headed towards, I, want, I don't want to just be intent. I don't want to intend to have a good relationship. I'm going to have a good relationship. So I'm going to speak kind words. I'm going to do the things God wants me to do. And I'm not going to intend anymore. I'm going to direct now. I'm going to have the ways of God. Come on, that's good. Somebody say, yeah, that's good. Come on, that's good. I'll just, high five. All right. Number two. This is like, this is, the, this is the message that like nobody amens at. You want, it's like, because everybody's like, oh man, I don't do that. I, the whole week, I'm like to my wife, I'm like, babe, I don't do any of this. I, I'm sorry. And she's like, that's okay, Grace, be with you, my son. <laughs> she's awesome. All right, be romantic on their terms. Number two, be romantic on their terms. The Bible says, repent, repent. Everybody say repent. Repent means to have a change of mind and turn from old ways. That There were my ways in my relationship. Have you ever noticed that it's real easy? I love to do my ways. Have you ever noticed that you love you more than anyone else in the world? Have you noticed that? You think you are amazing. And with comes with that. You know what comes with that? You think your ways are amazing. You think that, man, let me just tell you, I got this thing figured out. Out. You have your ways. But the Bible talks a lot in relationships that there needs to be consistent repenting, which means I got to have a change of mind to think, okay, maybe my ways are not the best. Even if they are the best, they're not profitable because you know, the Bible talks about it. even though it's permissible, it's not always profitable. Come on, guys. Y'all know that. Like just because you were right didn't mean you needed to let her know that that way. And now you wrong, right? It wasn't worth it. <laughs> But like we need to have a change of heart, need to be focused on romance on their terms. Like I need to be romantic for them, not romantic for me. It's not my way or the highway. It's not my, I'm the king of my castle. No, I want to be, I want to be a servant in the house of God. I want to be a servant to my wife. I want to be a servant to my husband. I want to be, if I do that, if you have two people serving each other, it's really, really hard to, to fight over who's king, right? When ain't nobody trying to be king, there ain't no fight. And, and, and oftentimes we, 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 we forget this. First Peter even says, likewise, husbands, husbands. It's funny how he mentions husbands, but, you know, I think this is for everybody, but it is for, you know, he does say husbands, right? Come on, guys. He said, husband. He said, live with your wives in an understanding way. Why does he say that? Well, because I think sometimes guys often want it your way and not my way. I'm the, I love Burger King. You want to know why? Because they make it my way, right? Have it, have it your way. Like, I like that. Like, I just, why? Well, put that on my, like, over my house. Have it my way. Because my way seems to be right all the time. But that's, the Bible says, have a, you, you know what you should do? Understand her way. Understand his way. Be understanding on their terms. I'm going to give you four things real quick. Four terms for him. 
If you're a girl, if you're a lady in here, you're a wife, write these down. This is important, okay? I'm just, I'm going to get on you for a minute, and then I'm going to get on the guy, so don't get mad at me, all right? These are four needs of a man, all right? Number one is this honor. You need to know we have a sensitive ego. It's not necessarily, you know, I don't, I've never really walked around and met many women who have, like, ego problems. It's a guy thing. We have ego, and with guys, egos are not our friend when it comes to our marriages and our relationships. We have an ego. We're sensitive sometimes. Some people are like, well, women are sensitive. Let me just tell you, I meet a lot of men who are way more sensitive as husbands than they are than their wives. Are you sensitive? <laughs> she didn't make my food the way I wanted. Are you, what? <laughs> are you kidding? Like, you're kidding, right? And he's like, no. We're sensitive. And so what you can help us with, and in terms of a need, that comes from a need inside of our soul. We need honor. That's just how we're built. God builds us that way. There's some things inside of us. I'm giving you just a formula, okay? Just, we need honor. Number two is this sex. We need, we, I'm sorry, it's a need of the man. It is a need of a man. 80%, science will even prove this, and Bible shows this as well. 80% of men out there have a higher sex drive than their wife. There's a reason why he wants it more than you. It's true. That's how we're built. There's some things inside of us that we need that. So I'm just telling you, this is a need of a man. The third, kindred fellowship. This is something, don't overlook this, ladies. You need to know how valuable it is when you sit down and do something fun with your husband. That they like. Like, I know, I know, I know uh, like my, my, my grandfather, you know, he was really into cars. Every, you know one of the biggest things that he would have loved to do? If my grandmother would just walk outside and be around the car with him. And guys, we don't like to share that with a lot of our ladies because we know that they, one, they'll never do it, or two, they'll nag us about it or whatever. You just kind of like we get that in our hearts. But I'm just telling you, ladies, I'm telling you, if you want to do something, a need of a man is kindred fellowship, is friendship on a deep level. And all that means for you is just, hey, take a step outside of you, right? Because you're not doing it your way. You're doing it his way. And do something he likes together. If he likes to go hiking, go hiking with him. He wants to go hunting, go hunting with him. I'm telling you. Like, you do something like that, you be, I, you, I'm telling you, it will do wonders for your relationship with your husband. Find ways to be in kindred fellowship with him. And the fourth is just domestic support. I'm just telling you right now, there's something incredible about, and I'm just, I'm talking in generalities, okay? I can't get specific, so some things are not permissible, are not applicable. But, but in general, there's something incredible about when, when a woman comes in and bring, makes a house a home. That makes a house a home. We, we, we crave that. We need that. And ladies, don't, don't neglect that. And guys, just a side note, if she makes the house a home, let her be. Like if she picks a pillow you don't like, you need to learn a word. I, I say, okay. <laughs> hey, what do you think about this? Sounds great. Hey, I picked these sheets. That looks awesome. Come on, come on. Not... I don't like you looking at you. Why is it only going to be girly with the flowers? You're, 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 you're complaining about the very thing you need. Stop. Stop it. Stop. All right. <laughs> Guys, you take notes. This is your note-taking time, all right? Now, ladies, just elbow them. Take notes. All right. Now, number one, security. Guys, you need to bring security to your, to your wife. You need to know this, one of, the highest, one of the highest fears of all women everywhere is a fear of you leaving, is a fear of a man leaving. The worst thing you can do, I'm just telling you, in America, I just as a side note, if you're arguing with your wife, the worst thing you can do is get up and walk out. Worse, even worse than that, get up and leave the house, drive away. I got to get time away. L let me just tell you right now, all you're doing is feeding the, the seed that the enemy's trying to plant in your wife's heart that one day you're just going to leave. When you're done with her, you're out. 
They need security. Number two is this open communication. Women are not are more verbal. They, they, they need to talk. So don't come home and be like, I don't want to talk to you. Don't do that. Like, I, I know, like, it's like, it's funny. I was thinking about, like, different ways to say this in a Christian way. You know, like, hey, you know, talk to your wife more and say it in some biblical Christian way. How about this? Talk to your wife more. <laughs> Deep thoughts with Pastor Aaron today. What's the secret to a great marriage? There's no secret. There's no secret. It's, it's people who are willing. Come on. They're willing to be romantic, to pursue. Talk to your wife. Some of you in here need to hear that. I'm just telling I didn't do this in the first service. I'm going to stop and wait on this. Some of you need to talk to your wife more. You need to talk to your wife. She needs you to talk to her more. Pastor, I can't talk to my wife. She starts talking about all these other stuff. Who cares? It's not for you. It's not for you. What about me? It's not for you. We just talked about your needs. It's not for you. It's for her. You need to talk to your wife. Not like this. Uh Uh-huh, babe. Yeah? That's terrible. Yeah, that's great. Uh Uh-huh. Man, that's good. What'd you say? That's not talking. We're talking face-to-face, right? Number three is this non-sexual touch. Guys, come on. There's something powerful when you touch your wife and she knows you ain't just trying to get some. <laughs> Come on, ladies, right? Like, like just, 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 just hold her hand. Just brush her shoulder. Don't, don't slap her butt every time she walks in. Come on. <laughs> Is this okay? I'm never coming back to that church. That's okay. I'm just trying to be real just because, like, you know, like, I, I hear that a lot from, the, from the, you know, the people we counsel and stuff like that. Ladies, I mean, that's a big thing. You know, you always feel like, man, every time I, I, I just know every time he touches me, he's looking for something. She needs to feel that you touch her without, so that could be hugs. That could be just being around, just touch her leg, touch her knee. You know, it's like just non, non-sexual touch. And the last one is this, is headship. You need to know this. Lady, uh, the ladies in your life, they need to know that you're a present you are available and present, and you are the loving initiator of finances, of kids, of your romance, of your, of your, of, of your physical life. Of every, you have to be the loving initiator of that, which means you lead it. Remember this. Go back to the, the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2 when Adam and Eve, the first marriage, happened. Sin entered the world when the man wasn't present. I know some people are like, well, if it wasn't for Eve and her eating that stinking apple, we'd all be good. And I always laugh because I'm like, well, you don't know your Bible. Because she wouldn't even have the option if a man was present. Some of you let the enemy talk to your wife more than you should. You let your enemy talk to your wife about finances, about your kids. Well, I don't need to be in my kids' life, so I got a woman for her. She's with a wife. She needs to take care of her. She's the mom. Let her be with my kids. They need to know mom. No, they need to know dad. Most of our society and our culture right now would actually be better if we had dads who were present, not dads who were perfect. Come on. Dads who were just present, just be there, just be present in your money, be present with your kids, be present with your wife. You have to be there and be the head, which doesn't mean you're the king because the head don't work without the rest of the body. You ever notice that and vice versa? You're a great head. Some of you are great heads just rolling around all by yourself. 
Yeah, good luck with that. I want a body. Number three is this. The last one is this, and I'm done. I'm going a little long today. Is that okay? I'm sorry. I got a lot to say. This is good. Anyway, right, romance is in the little things that we did at first. I'm closing with this. Romance with the little things that we did at first. The little things. The Bible says repent and do the things you did at first. It was the little things, though. Remember? It was the little things that you did. It was the, it was the little note you wrote her. It was the time you showed up at his game and you didn't tell him. It was the little things that, that, that caused you to draw close to them. It's the little things. Luke 16.10, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in large. Farmers get this. You plant little seeds and it produces big things. It's starting with the little things, daily decisions. It's always these little things that you're being romantic. You're pursuing in the little things. But pastor, I just want, I love people always talk about, I call them the extras. They're the extra people. Because they always come up to me and they say, Ready to do the extra. And there's people like that in our marriage. Guys, you're like, I one day I'm going to take my wife to Paris, but you can't take her to Panera Bread. <laughs> Ladies, one day I'm going to give my husband the HGT. I saw it, Chip and Joanna. They had an amazing house. I'm going to give my husband and my family this amazing house. Target is going to sponsor everything. (laughs) Magnolia this and Magnolia that. And you can't even keep your room clean. You can't make the bed. You're trying to have HGTV up on your house. It's the same thing. Leaders come in to rise all the time. You know, new people come in. People who've been here come in, and they always say this thing. I always laugh. It's not, it's not intentional, but pastor, whatever you need. If you need me to do something extra around here, you need me to, you know, I'll come by your house to help you with something with that. If you want, man, if you need me to study for you, you need me to do something, you want me to come be a part, you want me to come be all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, why don't you start with attending regularly, serving regularly, and giving regularly? That's the basics of Christianity. Just start giving. Just start attending. Come every week. Just come every week. Well, no, no. I want to do more. I want to do extra. And I always tell them the whipped cream and cherry means very little without the ice cream. I don't need a whipped cream. I don't need the cherry. I just need the ice cream. I like it. Rocky Road, Chunky Monkey. I like all of it. It don't matter. Mint chocolate chip. I like the ice cream. You can get whipped cream anywhere. And it's great when it comes, but it doesn't mean a whole lot without the ice cream. Come on. You trying to do extra? (laughs) Your wife just wants you to look at her without trying to, like, get up on her. You know what I'm saying? Like, just take her on a date. I know guys who won't buy. I I, I talked to a guy one time. He's like, I'm going to buy her this bouquet of flowers, but it's too expensive. It's like $200. I'm going to wait. And I'm like, why don't you just pick her a flower? And give it to her. Well, that's not good enough. I, go, I promise you, she's probably waiting for the basic before she's ever waiting for the extra. Come on, ladies, right? Just, just, just the little things. Guys, just the little things. Like, ladies, you know, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to be the greatest mom that ever hit this world. Just, just be a, just, just, why don't you just start with, hey, man, I, one day a week, I'm going to have dinner on the table. The kids are going to be washed and cleaned one day a week. 
In my house, that's a miracle. <laughs> Don't be the extra. Be the basic. Be the little. The little things. Be the little things. Some little things to think about for him. Say thank you, ladies. Say thank you to him. He doesn't hear it as much as you think he does. I talked to someone right the other day, and they said, hey, pastor, thank you for, for thank you. For, for sacrificing everything to put this church up. I said, that's the first time I've ever heard that from someone. And like, why don't you, you don't hear that all the time? I said, no. We're less thankful as a society than you think we are. You're probably less thankful in your relationship as you think you are. Encouraging words. Hey, you're really good. Honey, you're really good at and make up something. <laughs> What'd you learn from pastor today? Told me a lie. <laughs> Brag on him. Brag on him. Guys love it to hear their name. They think they're the best ever. So when you say they're the best ever, it's the best ever. It is. Sexual advances, we already talked about that. I don't have to get on it again, right? But yes. And then reassurance that you're happy. You need to know we're always concerned if you're happy. We are. Even if he doesn't ask you, he wants to know you're happy. Reassure him. For her, hold her hand. Guys, you need to hold her hand. Daily check-ins of love, text, voicemails, emails, anything. Send her something. Carrier pigeon. I don't care. Just let her know you are thinking of her. Put your arm around her on her knee. Compliment her beauty. Guys, you need to know this. Women are attacked more in this area than any other thing. They are always, look, ladies, y'all are always on that Instagram. You're always gramming. Y'all that Insta life, right? Looking at all the women who have the great homes and all the women who have the great outfits and all the women who have it, they all have that. What's that? My wife, she looks at those things and they like show you where to buy everything that you can't ever afford, <laughs> like to know or whatever. But she needs to hear from you that she's beautiful. And the last thing is this is pull yourself out of your own funk. Talked to a guy one time. She's, he's like, I'm just waiting for my wife to help me get out of my funk. Your wife's waiting to help you get yourself out of your funk. She ain't your mama. She's your wife. She ain't your mama. She's your wife. Be a man, lead yourself, and pull yourself up. And if we do some of these little things, I really believe, I just believe this. Romance is built on these things. Romance is a constant pursuit. Come on, consistent pursuit. Because we're consistently positioning them. They're the most important thing if you're pursuing them. That's what I know.